Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through Matrix on the 16th of July 2017. I've given lots and lots of talks over the years on the types of characters who go into politics and into the higher bureaucratic positions as well. There's just as many psychopaths in the bureaucracies as, as you'll find up in the, the political departments because they always end up going where they get the best return, financial that is, for themselves and where they don't have to do much work. The politicians like more uh, applause, basically, from the public, like to have photo ops and have their name mentioned in the newspapers and so on. But other types of psychopaths are very happy to be raking in big paychecks, doing very, very little, uh, and getting a bit of foreign travel in, too, all, all free, paid for by the taxpayer. They like to have their names in a more low-profile situation or category. Sometimes they'll blossom out of that category when it's time for them, they think that is, for the public to know just how valuable these particular characters have been to their civilization. And today we live in a form, and I really mean this, a very well-constructed form of delusion. A delusion carefully manufactured in detail, very much like a fictional movie or a a drama for television, where every shot that you see is carefully gone over by staff to see how perfect it is according to the actual scene selection of that, where they're trying to get across to the public. Every little detail of the scene is discussed right down, as I've said before, to a rose in a little vase on the edge of the scene or a rumor, for instance, everything, the color, everything has to be just perfect for that scene. Because they're creating a form of reality for the public that will affect the public. And all these little things you see, including the colors, will affect the public too, according to the scene and what's put over emotionally to to the general population who are watching it. We are human beings, and human beings are very, very well understood incredibly well understood how we think, how we behave, what we have in common with other human beings, and we're all fitted into categories and clusters, etc., by the artificial intelligence masters who are managing our lives and who are bringing in new realities all the time, just as fake as the present one. Because the present one truly is fake. Most folk haven't noticed. I can remember when when free trade was signed and the GATT treaty went through, really, to bring China into uh, to being the manufacturer for the whole planet. Now, you think about that. That's one heck of a, of a, a plan contrived, incredibly well-worked-out agenda to bring in a plan where one country in the planet ends up getting pretty well all the manufacturing for clothing, for machinery, for tools, for everything that you need, electronics, for the whole planet. And people prattle on all the time about their conditioned reflex, which is democracy. They like to believe that they live in one. And what a delusion that is. But getting back to what I'm saying, it all ties together. Because the media were pretty well silent 
is all the jobs were just flooding over to, to China. I can remember Mr. Cretien and other politicians before and after him talking about this great deal, this new world order, you know, and, and Cretien himself kept prattling about his little red book, just like Matt Tung prattled about his little red book. It was quite amazing. But they never let the public see it, at least in Canada. In China, they did. But he, and he kept saying jobs, jobs, jobs for NAFTA and everything else. Jobs, jobs, jobs. And he was telling the truth, but the jobs were not to be in Canada. And that's how psychopaths operate. Legally, if they were taken into court, you say, I never said it was for Canada. You say, I just says jobs, jobs, jobs. It would create jobs, jobs, jobs. And that was the kind of mantra they give you. They have a loathing and a contempt for the general population. And they really do. I really mean that. They, have, they really do. Once in a while you get movies where they'll show you the psychopath's contempt for the general public. One of them is an excellent one called Maxwell, about the great baron, financial baron in Britain, who was borrowing from all different companies at the same time and swapping money all over the place to prop up some of these businesses and all the rest of it. And he's also a magnet, too, for, for news, which is awfully important to these kind of magnets. I could go into that in great detail, but there's no point. But he was literally, <laughs> he had been embezzling money galore, and you wouldn't believe it. But in one scene in the movie they made about him, which is getting harder to find, they actually showed you the top of this big building where he used to take guests in London. Big building, and he would have a, a table set up and chairs in the top, and they'd have something to eat, and they'd have wine and all the rest of it. And one of the guests, this is a natural book too, Maxwell, and it really happened. Uh, they, they, they said uh, they were needing to, to, to as I say, micturate, have a pee. And this, he, he says, well, don't worry about that. And he, says, he says, come over here. And Maxwell took the guy, the guest, over to the edge of the building. And they could see the street way down below. And he says, he just started peeing there. And, and the guy says, oh, he says, I can't do that. Somebody will notice. And Maxwell, who's a psychopath, the great, the great psychopath who is typical, who's looked up to and respected for his millions of pounds, which are all mainly fraudulent. Uh, and he says, he says, them, the people down there, he says, they, they never notice anything. They don't notice anything. That's a statement of the psychopath. Now, he wasn't simply talking flippantly, about the people, he was stating a, a type of a fact. Most of the people won't notice anything unless it's pointed out to them by an authority figure. Growing up, I used to wonder as to why they made such a fuss about certain of the news presenters in the BBC. There weren't so many as they have now, naturally, but back then the BBC was the main one for the whole of the UK. And news was read from paper, at least it appeared to be, in the early days. And eventually, when one of the main characters was retiring, it was as though someone in royalty was retiring. He was so important to the system. He helped to convince people by speaking so clearly and convincingly of the topics he was reading off the paper. Now, the BBC, remember, BBC is a propaganda machine for the system. And you find it in the US, it was more open. They would tell you that the salaries, the tremendous salaries that news anchormen and women were getting, phenomenal. 
phenomenal for reading some prearranged stuff, often, often stuff written by other people. They just get on there and prattle it and look convincing and so on and get incredible salaries. And it was because the longer they were there on the stations, the main, mainline stations, mainstream, uh, and the biggies, the more people would trust them. And a lot of people would grow up watching them and hearing their voice. And it would never dawn on them this person was lying to them. That's, that'd be awfully convincing. You grew up with them like, like an uncle or a granddad or something. And they would keep them in big salaries and tremendous health care packages. Even when they're ready to fall off the chairs with age, they keep them going because it's so important to the system. And the system, as Mr. Maxwell knew, has all to do with chronology. It's all a big magic act. Now, I'd, I'd read so many <laughs> of the, the various articles and books and so on over a lifespan, basically, of non-governmental organizations from some of the big players, the big players in this system that we're creating of managing society for a new world, a new system. Remember that they've gone, they actually put the world in different categories of existence and civilization. That's how they present history to you. And they'll give you the agricultural age after the hunter-gatherer and all that kind of stuff, and agricultural, and, and the, the, again, the, the peasant communities and the feudal systems running them and, and all this kind of stuff, all the way up to the present stage, which is supposed to be... I mean, they haven't told you you're post-industrial, but you are. They teach it. They've been teaching it for, for many, many years in universities to the next crop of world managers who are going to manage you. But it's important to keep you thinking in your own lifetime, doesn't matter what generation you're in, that, that it's not changing that much. They won't change it that much from what you're used to. At least, at least if they do, you won't know it because they put a good show that it's just the same system. And if you've noticed, what you're looking at today is definitely not the same system that it was e- even prior, even prior to what happened in 9-11-2001. That was almost, and it was in a sense, it was the kind of, the kickoff to implement a whole new system and even pushing further and further into more deindustrialization. Now, Britain was way ahead, for instance, of deindustrializing this whole industry base uh, back in the, the 60s and, and definitely speeding up through the 70s into the 80s. And the agenda was not to tell the public that this was the, the, the planned course for the whole of the UK. Deindustrialization of all in industry pretty well. And amalgamation into a European parliament. They kept that all quiet and lied to the people when they would bring that up once in a blue one. Because that's how you're managed. You're, you're not managed by telling the truth. You're managed by lying. And they try to get the nicest people to tell you nicely the lies that, that you're fed constantly. Nothing's changed in that regard. Now, you'll see that the system we're in today is a completely different system than it was, say, in the 80s, the 1980s, or the 1990s even. Vastly different system. 
The next part, the big plan of herd management, and that's what they call it openly today, herd management, is really underway. And they're brought on board, as the big managers said they would do, the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal Institute for International Affairs, they said they'd bring in the big philanthropists into the act, to the Bill Gates and all the other kinds of characters you're familiar with their names today, that you don't vote for, but who seem to have a lot of uh, play, basically, in your life, as to how you're going to behave, how you're going to live, if you're going to drive a car or not, if there'll be even cars for you to drive, all of that kind of stuff is done, basically, you get more out of it than supposedly the TED Talks and you get anywhere else. Well, you don't vote for them either, but apparently that's who's running your lives, supposedly. And your universities churn out people with degrees on all the different urban uh, management for new communities and for the new era and all this kind of stuff. Post-industrial, post-automobile, Agenda 21 driven. That's what it is. Of course it is. Uh, Right down to sharing rides in their self-driving cars and so on and so on and so on. You've heard it all before, I'm sure. But that's that's not just a plan. That's what's coming in. <laughs> they don't, they don't, it isn't just some sort of wishy-washy possibility out of many possibilities. This is all planned. This is this is the, it's going to be this way, whether you like it or not. And you haven't had any say in this, like you've never had any say in anything that really did matter. And it's done, as I say, in this very, almost like a sci-fi episode that you're living through. That's, what, that's how it's presented to the public. It's, a, it's, to be a, it's always presented with a rah-rah, isn't this wonderful? It's this idea of not being able to travel anywhere. Rah-rah, how good this is for the environment. Rah-rah-rah. And you couple into it the fact that they've already told you years ago, and I read all their articles too, they would be eventually rolling blackouts and brownouts, as they call them, of electricity, because it's a cut back on power and ration power out, because they don't want you having all this power consumption you have at the present, and you won't be able to afford it shortly, so they're going to have the, the brownouts. But they'll tell you when it's your turn for your area to be browned out. I read all those articles years ago, on the air. And people have all forgotten that, because they haven't given you them. They've started to allow you to have more and more electricity again as they get you used to the electric cars. Once you've bought enough of it, you've got electric cars, then they'll start the brownouts. That's the agenda. <laughs> this is the agenda, I guarantee you. We're, we're, we're animals, supposedly. Eh? We're animals who are very predictable, and they know exactly how to manage our behavior and to acceptance of whatever is put in front of us. And the people all along the way, from, from, from back in the 90s to the present, most of them won't notice the changes. It's a kind of vague dream they're living in. That's how they see things. They do really expect some well-known face on television to tell them what to be concerned about. And what, and if they don't tell you what to be concerned about, then what you've noticed yourself can't be that important. That's the simple technique of it. The TV has become an appendage to your critical thinking ability. Or as Brzezinski said in his book Between Two Ages, that the people will shortly expect the, the, the media to do their reasoning for them. And that's already happened.
Look at all the things the media have told you to be upset about and to worry about. And look at all the things that have happened that had plenty of warnings, really, they could have told you about, but they didn't tell you anything. Like coming bank crashes and things. They didn't didn't say a darn thing. It's always a surprise. We're managed so, so easily today. So easily. That, and I knew this a long time ago, that the scientific techniques of controlling society were so advanced. And that every year, another cropper churned out and leave university who had tweaked a little bit more into the changes than the ones who left the year previously. That if you went up to them and tried to change their minds on something by re-educating them, they wouldn't listen to you. That's how perfect the system is. It's designed that way. The big masters like Bertrand Russell, and he was a master of predicting how society would be trained to behave because he belonged to the big groups who were given permission to to create the new culture for the whole of the world eventually, but starting with the Western system. He was a big part of it. And he, he, he spoke completely confidently of how it would be done. And he said, there's nothing you cannot do with the raw material of humanity. There's nothing. Mainly because the raw material of humanity are never told what's, what's been deliberately done to them. And it's true. They do expect authority figures to tell them or warn them. Just like any mammal, any mammal, the mammals out there in, in the wild, and even some of the domesticated ones too, but the, the wild animals learn from, from generally the, the mother or the male, and some of them, what to worry about or to be wary of for their own safety. If they're not taught that the, those young animals will go right up to a predator and get eaten. It's much the same with humans. And unfortunately, the techniques of brainwashing parents are so perfect today that it doesn't even occur to parents today to even have any inputs, really, on what their child should be aware of. They expect the schools do not all for them or, or television or whatever. In fact, they've been trained to an extent to stay out of the lives of the children they raise. The only responsibility they have, and this has been said by the big buns too, including Bertrand Russell, is to financially support them through their childhood, up through schooling and so on. But the state would supply the values. And that's all been done. Now, since the state is not the parent who would naturally have more worry in a real system for the child, the state doesn't have such a worry, and they can go full steam ahead with their indoctrinations of the children. It's, it's really sad that school has got nothing pretty well in common with what school used to have, which was the preparation for thinking and reasoning and critical analysis and thinking, and preparing them with the abilities to go out and have a good career for themselves. Today is to do with social engineering completely pretty well. And 
they know for a fact, for instance, in, in the majority of the, the ordinary schools, the publicly supported schools, we call them, they know there's not going to be jobs for them, so they don't train them really to, to have the abilities to go and work at all. Because a new system, most of them are going to get paid to stay at home. That is a new system. Permanent welfare will be called a paycheck for simply existing. Because in a post-industrial, post-manufacturing system, then you, you can't have everybody working, basically. And so those who are will end up supporting, for a while at least, those who are not. And the, they've, I've read the articles recently about that, where it's been discussed at the higher levels of governments. And again, through their big, big non-governmental agencies that have their TED Talks and all the rest of it, of how they must bring in this system, which is technocracy, again, technocracy, Inc. And a good chunk of society will simply have no have no work. Margaret Thatcher said it at the time too, because she was getting input too from some of these futurists, and she said uh, there'll be a generation, it's a generation, she says, who are living today, who will never see work in their lifetime, get used to it. And uh, supposedly the economy comes first, therefore they would have mass unemployment because it makes it cheaper to, for those who want to employ people. When there's more folk unemployed, they'll take less money. When there's almost full employment, there's higher wages as companies compete to get the labor to work for them. It's quite simple. It's not magic. It's not rocket science either. But this new system we're living in today is a system where in a, we're post-consumerist. All the, all the manufacturing went to China. And it was no big deal, according to the media at the time, because they said pretty well nothing about it. In some countries like the UK, all you heard for years and years from the 70s onwards is deindustrialization. And and this, this place was closing down, that place was closing down. They didn't tell you that was mandated from the top of the government that signed deals with the EU and the US to simply end all production. Of everything pretty well All the big ones, all gone And you have to suffer through it So you've got to understand The system you're living in today Is a vastly different system Than it was even just a few years ago And within 10 years It's going to be vastly different again Across the board in every respect When 9-11 happened, as I say It was a kickoff for much more than just uh, Endless war it was also the kickoff for a, for a whole new system to be completely implemented from the top. A different way of life, post-industrial, eventually down to almost post-consumerist, because you won't have the cash to buy all the imports that come in from China. Because they brought, they're bringing you into austerity. See how it all fits together? Austerity, post-consumerism, post-industrialism. Etc., etc., all comes together. Post driver uh, world, where you can't drive anymore. Initially, you'd be allowed to drive little electric cars if you can rent them or something for a day, but uh, eventually uh, they'll phase them out too because they don't want you traveling around outside your designated zone. I also read sections out of Brave New World. From Aldous Huxley, written in the 1930s, remember? And also George Orwell's 1984. 
And remember that both those men knew each other very well, and they corresponded with each other for years, going back and forth about how this new system would be brought into being, and would there be any problems about it, where where George Orwell would use the the really the kind of uh, military type dominance and police state dominance system to bring it in, whereas Aldous Huxley thought they could bring it in using mass psychology, behaviorism, all the things that are getting used in the public today, and do it painlessly to an extent, and even give them soma and various other kind of drugs to keep them happy, content, etc. And what you've got really is the brave new world with a touch and always the threat of using the 1984 totalitarian tyranny type of system if you don't go along with it, that the threat of it all. And remember, too, that in 1984 there was a massive bureaucracy running the people's lives above them. And right down to, to whole departments that just churned out fictional novels and pornographic novels and even music, just churning it out for the, for the masses, the proles. And that's pretty well how, how it's all done today. has been for a long time, actually. Unfortunately, we really don't get news today. It truly is fake news, but it's been fake news for many years. Because you might be told little bits and pieces, not the whole truth about any particular thing, but bits and pieces of news... Uh, of things which are more irrelevant, or after the facts off, and so on. But never anything to really help people make their minds up for themselves. Most news really falls in today under entertainment, with a lot of stuff about the so-called stars, you know, and their divorces and various other little things like that. That's what they give you for news. And then they put in masses of sports in there too. Well, neither neither the entertainers nor sports should be in amongst what used to be called news. Never used to be in places like Britain. But that to give you more distractions and actual facts about things. But herd management, though, never forget it. Herd management, how it works. And it's very easy to make it work. And again, there's never been so much study done on humanity, how we behave and how can we be made to behave in different ways quite easily. And we're made to behave in different ways in unison at the same time. Standardized opinion, standardized everything. That's the key to managing the masses, standardization. And you can ask people across the, the board about simple topics, simple things. And they'll all give you the same answers of their brainwashing, all coming from basically television. About global warming, oh yeah, oh yeah, it's everywhere, my God, there's, 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 there's nothing left of the South Pole. And rubbish like that. But they'll all give you the same answers. Because why would the media, or what appears to be the media, television, lie to them? You must create a naive population to dominate them totally. Make them incredibly naive. But again, people are born that way, remember, to be naive, to trust. Be fine with a dozen people in a tribe. 
and you would elect a tribal leader. He lives across the way from you in the other hut over there. And, and therefore, uh, and he's got no, nothing more than you have, uh, possession-wise. That's, where, that's the only place that such a trusting system can work. Plus, if anything happens and the guy becomes nasty, you've got enough folk in the tribe to, to get rid of him. Quite simple, isn't it? And that, that's where trust comes in. Why shouldn't you trust that tribal chief? Well, you have, still have that instinct in you, in what they call civilization. And it's all lies indeed you know, for the civils. But you want to trust. You want to believe. Why should they be lying to you? But remember, you're not living in a little tribe anymore. And you've got whole, whole waves and, and layers of bureaucrats and psychologists and psychiatrists and people churned out from, with special courses from universities and mass control, basically. A lot of fancy titles, but it's just mass control. And you can't trust that, that person is put out as a tribal leader anymore that you see on TV, but you can never meet in person. You can't do it. It can't be done. Now, many people will like this kind of socialism that's coming in. And it's true. You definitely have people who love the cities and who hate outside the city. And you have the people who are outside the cities that can't stand the cities. And people who are in the cities are definitely more prone to live in a collectivist type of society. But by the way, it's no coincidence that they've done so many studies on different groups and people across the world. They know who, even ethnic-wise, are more collectivist than others. They know how it works. So it's unfortunate to an extent with what's planned if you happen to... to not be a collectivist-type-minded person. doesn't mean you're, you're antisocial. It simply means you don't want to be living in someone else's pockets or whatever it happens to be as they're crammed into the cities. And you'll find lots of folk, lots of even decent people, who think that they can bring in a socialist system and perfect it, make it better, although it'd be nasty to begin with. They actually, Some of them actually believe that. Other ones, of course, I think the majority of them, the ones you definitely get to know through, through the media, uh, who are prattling about them giving talks or lectures or something, these ones are the con people who simply are on the wagon for what suits them best at this particular time in history. Now, for those who still follow the nonsense that they call news, you probably have read that the NAFTA talks, they're always updated all the time, uh, it used to be every year, in fact, that they'd update them, and the Prime Minister of Canada would meet with the President of the U.S. and the President of Mexico, and they'd re-sign uh, a deeper uh, integration into NAFTA. That's deeper integration politically, economically, etc., into borderless North America, and to bring in more members through Latin America into the agreement, too. That's all part of it. Well, it's flourishing well regardless of what any politician may say at the time. And there's an article that says NAFTA talks expected to begin as early as August uh, this year. It says the, the urged a gathering of U.S. governors to help prevent a resurgence of protectionism and what uh, Trudeau uh, called politically tempting shortcuts as Canada girds for potentially bruising renegotiation 
they don't want people, again, going back to manufacturing their own stuff and bypassing all the, all the free trade agreements, etc. It's interesting, too, to me, that people don't recognize what even fascism is anymore. Because it used to be an amalgamation of big corporations, big money boys, and government working together over the people. And that's what, of course, free trade is. The big corporations, they're all on board. All the top members are members of the CFR, just like the, the moguls of the media are, the, are, are members of it too. And, and other ones are also members of the trilateral group as well. A big, big club. And here they are. They'll, they'll tell government what they want through their lobby government. And government goes along with them. And, if, if, and of course, politicians who go along with it uh, get more points for themselves and can give talks once they retire for half a million to a million dollars a talk. Not bad, eh? That's how things work. But again, who's trained the public to believe that this is the kind of system that they should just simply accept and that politicians and so on, who never mention uh, NAFTA or free trade during the, when they're running for election, and never mention the fact that you'll lose whatever work you've got left to free trade, have all these different groups that they belong to, the G8 and G20 and GWIS, etc. You don't vote for them. They don't mention that to you then, too. It's these, private, these are private groups. But sure, politicians that belong to them. At one time, kings and queens used to give dowries for weddings along with their daughters. And part of a dowry was often a country, or part of a country at least, with everybody who lived on it, going along with it. Well, this is what this is all about too. Nothing's changed. You've got to see things as they really are. Don't be bamboozled or or think somehow it's all officially proper or something. Proper is whatever they want to make it. But who gave them the, all, all these rights to do what they're doing? Who gave them the right to literally toss millions of people on the unemployment list when you had the deindustrialization, all your factories left, your shores, and your tax money paid for them to move? That was part of the, the deal. Going to the... the Archive session at CuttingThroughMedies.com I gave, I gave lots of talks about that years ago And and you'd be surprised how many people And, and who they are actually <laughs> Who use these articles all the time from the archive section Generally when they want some real news to talk about for a change And remember too, you can buy the books and discs And you could donate to me as well and help me tick along as well because people forget that all the time and I seldom remember to even mention it. But anyway, getting back to the, the NAFTA thing, it's going on as usual, regardless of what's been said, it won't be tossed out. And again, it means that if, if, if manufacturing something is given to Mexico, then it won't become getting to Canada or the US. It's, you know, it's, that's how they're doing everything. Another article, too, says NAFTA will be kept and Republican politicians assure Prime Minister Trudeau. Same article, really, about how, how okay it is, it's going along as normal, etc., etc., etc. And it says, we will modernize NAFTA for the 21st century. 
so that it will, it's a win-win-win. I, I love all these nonsense, nonsense. When, what does win-win-win mean? For all of our trading partners in North America, said Pence. Yeah. And it means nothing, all this stuff, except for the big boys themselves. It's business as usual, and the agenda is really rolling forward. Another article here, too, is to do with the climate agreement and all the cons with carbon taxes, etc. A massive business that's, oh, it's a huge business, of course, for all the big boys. And it will go ahead. It's already going ahead, regardless of what's been said in the past. And uh, this article here says President Trump tells Emmanuel Macron something could happen with the Paris Climate Agreement. And in other words, he, he said that we'll talk about uh, that over the coming period of time. If it happens, it'll be wonderful. That's re- renegotiating it. And if it doesn't, I'll be okay too, but we'll see what happens. So they say it's not clear what he meant by this, but they think it might be a possible opening. But again, nothing's going to stop it. it, it whatever he says or does, it's going round, round the, 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 the particular federal re- regulations of carbon and they simply do it state by state, etc. I've read the articles before. And then you have this article here. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that, you, again, you could shoot holes in. But again, it's the same with every politician. I don't expect anything different from Trump. And it's all the neocons around them, etc. And everybody knows that it's, just, it's war as usual. But it says, ever more official lies from the U.S. government. Now, this is Paul Craig Roberts, who was in government during his time. But he also is far left. He's very far left, unfortunately. And I I can't understand how folk can't see through either side of things. It's called wisdom, basically, that normally grows with age. But it says, the false reality constructed for Americans parallels perfectly the false reality constructed by Big Brother and George Orwell's dystopian novel, 1984. It's a good article, certainly. But it says, consider the constant morphing of the Muslim threat. Now, this is to relate to 1984. The Muslim threat from Al-Qaeda, which goes into the Taliban, to Al-Nusra, to ISIS. It keeps morphing, you see, to ISIS, to Daesh with a jump to Russia, all of a sudden 16 years of Middle East wars against terrorists and dictators have become a matter of standing up to Russia, the country most threatened by Muslim terrorism and the country most capable of wiping the US and its vassal empire off the face of the earth. Domestically, Americans are assured that thanks to the Federal Reserve's policy of quantitative easing, (laughs) this is amazing, quantitative easing, as they call it, inflation, that is, flooding the financial markets with newly printed money that has driven up the price of stocks and bonds, America has enjoyed an economic recovery since June of 2009, which must be one of the longest recoveries in history, despite the absence of growth in median real family incomes, despite the growth in real retail sales, despite the falling labor force participation rate, despite the lack of high-value-added, high-productivity, high-wage jobs. In other words, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense, this recovery. But the whole, the whole rigging of the economic system today is a, complete, is a complete fiction. Deliberately created to be a fiction, by the way. Because he's telling you, what recovery? 
All they do is, is churning out dollars. The, 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 the real purchasing power of, the, of the, the currency is getting devalued all the time in every country these days. Because that's the system we live in. It's all fake money. Anyway, it says the recovery is more than a mystery. It's a miracle that exists only on fake newspaper. According to CNN, an unreliable source for sure, Jennifer Tischler, President and CEO of the Center for Financial Services Innovation, reports about half of Americans report that their living expenses are equal to or exceed their incomes. Among those aged 18 to 25 burdened by student loans, 54% say their debts are equal to or exceed their incomes. This means that half the U.S. population has zero discretionary income. So what is driving the recovery? Nothing. For half or more of the U.S. population, there is no discretionary income there with which to drive the economy. The older part of the population has no discretionary income either. For a decade, there has been essentially zero interest on the savings of the elderly. And if you believe John Williams of ShadowStatsStats.com, it says the real interest rates have been zero and even negative as inflation is measured in a way designed to, pre- to prevent Social Security costs of living adjustments. In other words, the American economy has been living on the shrinkage of the savings and living standards of its population. Then he goes through the, the job statistics. And again, that's the greatest con of all the statistics. Every, every party that gets in uses, and every country uses the same cons with statistics. Last Friday's unemployment report is just another lie from the government that says that the unemployment rate is 4.4% and that the June employment increased by 222,000 jobs. A rosy picture. But as I've just demonstrated, there are no fundamentals to support it. It's just another U.S. government lie, like Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction or Assad's use of chemical weapons against his own people or Russians' invasion of Ukraine and so forth and so on. The rose unemployment picture is totally contrived. The unemployment rate is 4.4% because discouraged workers who have not searched for a job in the past four weeks are not counted as unemployed. And it says the BLS is a second measure of unemployment known as the U6, which is seldom reported by the Prestitute Financial Media. According to this official measure, the U.S. unemployment rate is about double the reported rate. Why? The U6 rate counts discouraged workers who have been discouraged for less than one year. It goes on and on and on about the, the con game with statistics. And how the, again, and it's true enough, uh, people with any savings at all have had no, <laughs> no interests back, basically, for years now. In the US, Canada, and elsewhere. And that's the system, though. It's just, we're, we're, we're living today, really, an amazing fiction, as I said at the beginning of the talk. Everything around us is a fiction. And you've got all these professionals, rah, 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 uh, believe in the fiction, believe, believe, believe. It's like a religion. And, but they are using techniques that they understand work in religion, by the way. That's true. And then you have Syria ceasefire. U.S. and Russia negotiate deal for a southwest region of the country. They're going to divvy it up to an extent. That's part of the deal, I think, that Trump and uh, Putin has made, and also they've got Israel in on the Act 2 from this article, Jordan-Israel, are also part of the agreement. So as the agreement's been, been made, the big boys always get what they want. Always, they always get what they want, remember. 
will always, I've never seen them fail to. Give them time and they'll always get back to where they were going to go. Then the U.S. bases strategically placed to prevent Syrian military from advancing. And this is outlining borders of Kurdistan. And again, that's an old, old strategy from the U.S. I think when uh, Reagan was in, he brought in Jean Kilpatrick, who was a far lefty. She went to a, a really pretty well, so it was pretty well a communist school in New York. But uh, he brought her in, strangely enough, uh, because of her ideas on military strategy. And she had advised back then of just simply, rather than have, of course, all the, all the wars they had planned, by the way, <laughs> Then they should really just build permanent bases across the world Rather than have build temporary ones for every war And then pull them all back home again Just leave them there, make them permanent bases And that's what they've been doing ever since That's, that's far, far-ranging thought, isn't it? Into the future For all these characters But it's also presented to you as, as very spontaneous We just had to go to war with so-and-so Anyways, this US base is strategically placed it's just, a, again, more detailed account of what's happening in Syria with more bases, up to eight or nine, actually, according to some resources. Bases of America in Syria proper itself at the moment. Quite some, eh? But we do live in a fiction. Most folk don't care, mind you, and you've been trained not to care. You've been trained to stay out of all real things that matter. And just let the professionals deal with it all. That's how you've been raised. That's it's been rather rather effective, hasn't it? And again, it's almost like it's all unreal. Anything outside your little living area, never mind your country, everything's kind of unreal to you. Especially when it's mixed with so much fiction from because you absorb so much fiction all the time. It's like like a different world, different reality. And therefore it works very well. Because the big boys said a long time ago they'd have to train the public not not to be involved in the decisions that your governing class are making. And then you see the other things that Donald Trump has tried to do, such as supposedly cutting back on extended families coming in to the U.S., Without, you know, before they get really drastically checked out, etc. And then it being bypassed by Supreme Court judges. And these are safe, see, these are safe decisions by Trump. Because they know darn well the high court judges are always going to veto it down. And so so he can play to to the crowd to an extent, knowing nothing will happen about it. And then you find, too, that... As I said, that, that there's definitely there's more to the deals in Syria too. That there's a lot of financial uh, things involved in this right now too. I'll add a couple of articles about U.S. strengthening presence in northern Syria, and and one from Israel too. The ceasefire in southern Syria went into effect Sunday, and seems that all sides involved in the fighting are taking care to ensure it stays in place. And some more interesting information in there too, in de- more detail. But then you go into a couple of articles here about a new Iran commission to oversee total gas deal that the West is are involved in too. And it says, uh, Iran is forming a government commission to oversee its deal with France's total, that's the name of the company, to develop uh, the South Pars gas field, the first major Western energy investment in the Islamic Republic since the lifting of sanctions last year. 
and it'll include representatives from the judiciary, the head of Parliament's Energy Commission, and of its Planning and Budget Commission. And the South Paris project will cost up to $5 billion, including an initial stage of around $2 billion, and its production is expected to start within 14 months, the oil ministry said this month. The total will be the project's operator with a 50.1% stake. Chinese state-owned oil and gas company CNPC will hold 30% shares. National Iranian oil company subsidiary Petropars will have 19.9% production capacity as seen at 2 billion cubic feet per day or 400,000 barrels of oil equivalent per day, including condensate, total said in a statement this month. And the gas will supply the Iranian domestic market starting in 2021. So there's big deals going on too during all these supposed wars, etc. Now I'm sure France will be in on the act as well with Syria. And I think that's why Trump went back over to see the French president again. I think there's something cooking there with... Because they'll, they'll be, they have to get something to bail them out of the, the financial chaos they're in, obviously. And then there's this one. Canada's in serious trouble again. And this time it's for real, it says. Some time ago, the Deutsche Bank's chief international economist... Thorsten Slock presented several charts which showed that Canada is in serious trouble, mostly as a result of its over-reliance on its frothy, bubbling housing sector. That's about all that's going on right now is housing. But also due to the fact that unlike the US, the average household has failed to reduce its debt load in time. Additionally, demonstrated there was not just in the mortgage-linked dangers from the housing market, and this was before Vancouver and Toronto got slammed with billions of hot Chinese capital inflows, as credit card loans and personal lines of credit had both surged. Even as multifamily construction was already record highs and surging, and so on and so on and so on. So anyways, it's in trouble again financially. And it's true, the, 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 the prices of housing in Canada is way out of sight for what you're buying. And I mean, it's little stick houses. It just, and the cost of it's incredible. It's ridiculous. But again, it's driven too, not just by the greed of the people, but it's driven by the greed of the big real estate consortiums because they've chains of these characters. And the more they can jack up the prices, the more commission they get too. Government's quite happy as well because they can tax you more from the, from the people and so on. And the banks are happy handing out loan after loan as default on their mortgages and they reclaim the houses, then loan them out again. But what a racket it really is, isn't it? Then another one, two, four charts that show Canada's in serious trouble uh, by the Deutsche Bank. With a few exceptions, prices have only risen since then. Fast forward to Slot's most recent report, and the economist is still majorly concerned about Canadians, the real estate market, and how much debt we are collectively taking on. Really, if if you saw the prices of them, (laughs) these sticks, these stick houses in Canada, (laughs) what planet are they really on here? And then we find, too, that Australia, for instance, now has this article. From polygamy to the age of consent, Sydney University's elite law school teaching students how elements of Sharia law could be integrated into Australia's legal system. And then they go on to basically pushing for it. They always do push, it's true, to have their laws accepted, etc. And they have no real restriction on 
arrange marriages for children for the age of the children or anything like that at all. I don't think anybody cares these days about anything. They're so <laughs> people are so corrupted in their morality, etc. And corruption is the normal today, so it's not it's not called corrupted or contaminated. I mean, the old Soviet system always said it best, actually, that those who had believed their propaganda were therefore contaminated. And once you have a contaminated society, you can. there's nothing you, you cannot do with them. You can push the envelope in different areas, and they'll accept it, because the basic pillars, they keep you moral to an extent, with a good culture, and it keeps you standing together and holds the roof up, you might say, of the massive building. Once you start knocking the pillars down one by one, the rest of them fall even easier. And that's where we're going with everything, obviously. And it's all done intentionally. And there are many groups outside of Islam that have been pushing this intergenerational sex, as I like to call it, to wreck what's left of society. As you well know, I've done all the articles over the years. It's not a, it's not a mystery. It's a, a big plan, it seems. Because all of the Western society and all of its culture was to be destroyed. Another article, too, it says Netherlands, Holland, moves to only allow electric vehicle sales by 2025 at the end of gasoline and petrol. It says the majority vote the lower house of Dutch parliament supported a motion to no longer allow new sales of petrol or diesel cars from 2025. And the action was brought by the PVDA, which would bring forward Netherlands' commitment to full electric transportation by decades. It's quite interesting, too, because I mentioned earlier tonight that I read the articles on the air about the brownouts, etc. And the country they chose years ago to test the brownouts for what they would do for the future, which I still can remember, was, was uh, Holland. <laughs> so they're going to have electric cars now, you know, with brownouts. So they won't be going too far when their masters have decided you're going to stay at home. And then Volvo, betting on electric cars, moves to face out conventional engines. So this is all which I knew years ago would happen, because I'd read all their, their old articles and and books in it too. And they'll push Uber, etc., and the driverless ones and so on. In the meantime, as they take you down gradually, because you're all getting taken down that way, as part of the deal. Quite some, eh? But nothing really is unpredictable, remember. Uh, because they do tell you what they're going to do. It's just that they've trained you not to not to want to be concerned about it, and that's that's what you call that's what you do with a domesticated animal. Domesticated animals generally, no matter what you're doing around them, they generally don't bother. They're not frightened because they've been trained to be domesticated and not wild. A wild one would naturally run off like crazy if it saw something detrimental to its own health or existence, but domesticated ones don't. Remember the whole idea of socialism, the real socialism, not the kind that, that many people at the bottom think it is. The real socialism is management of life, your life from birth to death, every stage of it. I've read too many articles on the air over many years to do this very, very topic of complete management. And you're pretty well there. I mean, one growing sector in all economies is, again, bureaucracies and government agencies, and including the agencies government contracts out to now, public-private partnership deals, 
which is all to do again with human management. Also look into the smart cities because you'll find the education has teamed up with the, the, with the whole idea of training the students, all students, into wanting to, to participate into the algorithms, as they call it, the algorithms of the smart cities, getting you all ready to simply live in these managed beehives where you'll have fewer and fewer choices. But you'll actually think you will have choices, but you don't really be managed into the right avenues. That's how it's done. Quite simple and very effective. Because the whole idea is to make you less bothersome to control for your masters. And you certainly do have masters whether you know it or not. And many, again, many people do like socialism, this kind of socialism, where they don't have to make any decisions. And all the decisions are being made for them by the state. Uh, that's from their own writings, actually. But, but for their other people, too, they're actually moving out of the cities and trying to get somewhere more rural where they can survive somehow in a system where they're going to get hammered and penalized for if they have the ability to travel. We only have a few years left before all of that stops. All of the, the old ways of travel stop. That was the greatest thing, that really, I think, that uh, the West got, and it started really in the U.S., was giving the right for people to travel uh, across their whole country by themselves in a vehicle. Tremendous right that. Once you take all that away, you're, you're hemmed in, you're, you're a prisoner in your, your so-called safe area, your safe smart city, which knows exactly what you're up to at all times. And lots of folk, again, will be trained, well, that's good. If anything happens to me, the, uh, the, the chips on that wall, the side of that wall there, and the Internet of Things, will notice that I'm sick and they'll, they'll, they'll grab me and take me to hospital. Yada, 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 yada. That's a perpetual person, a perpetual child brought up in socialism who can't envisage living and making decisions for themselves. Sad, isn't it? But that's the future that's planned for you all. By the people you don't elect, generally. Uh, the ones that you hear about, the philanthropists, are the ones who decide it all. And along with the big foundations that you don't elect either. And they tell the politicians to sign these big, big bills that they, they draft up for them. Now remember, you can help me take along by buying the books and discs, cuttingthroughmedias.com, or donating. Go into the website and find out how to do it. And thank you. From myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God, your gods go with you.